We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, and we are sponsored by Cooperage. Go to the brewery in Santa Rosa. Great vibes at that brewery. A lot of great beer. Go hang out. Have a pint. Tell them Chris and Kyle sent you. Or if you can't make it out there, you can order some online. Within the state of California, you got to be 21 and up. Go to cooperagebrewing.com, order some beer, and they will ship that to you one day shipping. So you get it the next day. You'll get cold beer right at your front door. Super sick. And um, yeah, support great local craft breweries. Let's talk about the 49ers and Rams. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Niners are going to win because that's what happens when they play the Rams in the regular it's, season. It's kind of regular season. It's kind of odd how that happens. Like so often, if like every game the last couple of years, it's the 49ers like needing a win against the Rams, and then obviously being able to get it. It's like you know mm-hmm. you lose in Denver to fall to one and two with how ugly that game was. Then you get the Rams at home. The 49ers got right to a certain extent and really thrashed them 24 to nine. And that, you know, gave them a little bit of momentum going into Carolina where they won 37, 15. And now they're in a spot where they've dropped two in a row since then. And they get to go play the Rams again. And the Rams are just a pretty good matchup for the 49ers, given how bad their offensive line is and all the injuries that they've been dealing with. Um, they are coming off a bye, but it feels like a pretty good spot for the 49ers too, particularly given that Christian McCaffrey is going to have a full week. The game plan for him, which uh, we, we'll talk about, is is going to be a lot different than it was Sunday against Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm expecting – I don't know if the 49ers were going to win. I don't know if they deserve the benefit of the doubt, even though they're 7-0 and against the Rams in their last <laughs> you know, seven regular season games. 
Sure. Um, but it feels like they're going to play substantially better um, than they did against Kansas City. And then they get the bye week. And then if you look after the bye week, which we can talk about a little later, like there are a lot of a lot of winnable games on their schedule um, and they can get right. So uh, it's a it's a really big game. But given where the Rams are and how badly the Rams need to win at three and three, like, you know, this is it's not going to be an easy game for for the Niners just despite the history that they have of, of success recently. Oh yeah. And especially since so much of that success is based around Debo Samuel, who may or may not play. I would guess he doesn't. <laughs> and so the get the ball to Debo and let him break some tackles and outrun some guys and score a touchdown play is not in the playbook. So it's going to take, I think when, when you talk about margin of error with this team, like we, it, that's the whole thing, right? Their, their margin of error is so small. If they get a perfect game on defense and a perfect game on offense. Great. But if they turn it over once or twice, that throws the whole thing off. And I think now that margin of error, however slim it is, is even slimmer if number 19 is not going to be on the field because just of how, of how dominant he's been against LA in these games and not having that element maybe not having Juwan Jennings, like there's just, there's a level of physicality that's going to be gone on the perimeter. And I think that that really plays against the Rams. And it's a big part of the reason that the Niners have been so good against them. I would be concerned if I was the Niners. Yeah. I mean, Debo Samuel, like is a Rams killer. Like he's far and away better against the Rams than any other team, just from a pure numbers perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that definitely matters, but I think one of the things about the Christian McCaffrey trade too, is that, you know, it, it insulates you a little bit if you, if you're in a situation where you don't have Debo Samuel, right? Because there's, there is a lot of overlap in terms of the way they can be used. Yeah. Um, and I, I would expect, I, I, I would definitely expect McCaffrey to get a lot of run, even Debo Samuel has six touchdowns in his career against the Rams in seven games. He's um, never lost in, to him in the regular season. Yeah. And oh, that's a good point. Um, next highest scoring team against, he has three touchdowns against the Seahawks. Jeez. So, um, yeah, it's if he can't play, it's definitely going to be a, a substantial problem. But I, I do think you can make up for his absence with Christian McCaffrey in a way that you absolutely couldn't before that trade. That's kind of what I'm interested to see. And maybe we won't we won't get a great look at it with with uh with Debo out and like I said with um with Juwan Jennings out, but it feels like so somebody today on the radio said uh is actually Mike Silver. Mike Silver said on the radio today that Christian McCaffrey is a good player talked about all the things he does well but he said it doesn't change the Niners identity on offense and I think I disagree a little bit because it feels like they're changing their identity to be more speed-based more horizontal when what they've done to beat the Rams is just that bully ball right it's just get downhill get Debo on some screens get behind their run game get behind Kyle Juszczyk get behind George Kittle Trent Williams and just get downhill and it feels like with Christian McCaffrey, it, wh- whether Debo Samuel's in the game or not, whether Kyle Juszczyk's in the game or not, it feels like they're going to get, we're going to see more of a speed element. Because McCaffrey can get to the edge. He can run outside zone. He can 
catch screens. He can uh, just route somebody up and make a play in the middle of the field. And so I'm interested to kind of see what what it looks like overall. And if Shanahan just kind of looked at what the offensive line was this year and said, okay, we got to do something different. And over the next few weeks, because I do think that lack of identity is very much a thing. And, and, and last year when they beat the Rams 31 to 10 at home, it was like their identity's back. This is the 49ers. It's good defense. They ran the hell out of the ball. I just don't know if that's going to be there for them this year. So what's the adjustment? And I think that adjustment is get more horizontal. Um, honestly, I think getting vertical with with the passing game, because if you take out drops, I think Garoppolo is like 6-14 to 14 on throws 20-plus yards down the field. And that's not bad. I mean, almost 50% on those throws is, is really good. So I just I I think there's going to be a noticeably different version of the 49ers offense over the next couple of weeks. And I think it starts this week with McCaffrey. Yeah, I, I think even more so, like I, I agree with what you said, but I, I think really the, the smartest way for them to use Christian McCaffrey, in my opinion, is is as a slot receiver and in the passing game. And like Oh, definitely. Doing using him in motion, you know, pre-snap, um, getting him isolated on linebackers, you know, even just situations where you have him and Jeff Wilson on the field at the same time, I think <laughs> would be effective because um, frankly, like as good of a runner as Christian McCaffrey is, I don't think if it's blocked up well, there's going to be a huge drop off in terms of like what you would get from a certain run. If McCaffrey totally was running it versus versus Wilson, I think Wilson's looked pretty good. Um, but I think really what differentiates McCaffrey from a skill set perspective is the fact he can he can run from the slot, like or he can uh, play in the slot and catch passes there. Like McCaffrey in his first season in the NFL had 86 catches and 752 yards and six touchdowns. Jeez. And the next year. He had 108 catches, 874 yards, and six touchdowns. His third year, 2019, he had over a thousand yards receiving and four touchdowns. Like to me, you if you look at Jimmy Garoppolo and what he's good at, it's very clear that he's good on shorter passes, more towards the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. That is where you got to utilize Christian McCaffrey. And one thing that was really notable in the Chiefs game is that McCaffrey didn't play on third down. Like McCaffrey should be this team's third down ace. Like he should be on the field on every third down. And I understand why he wasn't. This year's to Michael Hasty. Yeah, <laughs> right. And like a, a, an actual, like real third down back. Like no offense to Michael Hasty, but the fact that like he Not was a great player. Yeah. The fact that he was their third down back in key situations last year, even in the playoffs, is like still kind of mind numbing to me. But now, like McCaffrey's one of their best players, full stop. And like they need to figure out ways to utilize him on third down, because whether you want to look at just like the numbers from like a broad perspective and say the Niners offense needs to be better on third down. Sure. But I'll, I'll keep thinking back to, you know, the Super Bowl and the NFC championship game and what went, went wrong in the fourth quarter of those games offensively. And it was the fact that the 49ers couldn't move the sticks. Right. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey is a stick mover. Like he is a professional stick mover. And so (laughs) he's, he, (laughs) he has to be a guy that you utilize in the slot and, you know, Mayoko made the point and it was a great one um, when he was on the pod earlier this week. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and check it out. But, you know, like when Jimmy Garoppolo was playing really well in 2017, when he first got to the 49ers before the knee injury, 
Trent Taylor in the slot was a really big deal and a really big weapon for them, um, particularly on third down. They were really good on third down, and Trent Taylor statistically over that stretch was the best receiver in the league at running slants. And I think that's how you have to utilize Christian McCaffrey is to get him in the passing game. And you can still utilize him in the screen game, like mm-hmm. very similar ways to to what the 49ers already do with Debo Samuel. Like if it were me, I would give Christian McCaffrey like a handful of runs a game, maybe like five to like 10 max. I feel like I would still still run the hell out of Jeff Wilson Jr. And I would really utilize Christian McCaffrey in the slot. Um, and yeah. that's that's one thing that's going to be really interesting because we know what this 49ers offense generally looks like, like before McCaffrey. And we know what it looked like sort of last year when they decided to make Debo Samuel a a wide back and how versatile the offense got Mm -hmm. and the different looks it created um, that had defenses head spinning. Yeah. That element sort of gone this year with Debo in particular, but now you add McCaffrey and you might be able to get some of that element back, right? You might be able to have, create schematic advantages um in ways that you haven't before he got here and i I think you know defenses certainly adjusted to debo as a wide back well now you can work those two off of each other or at least in theory you should be able to right you could have you could have a fake jet sweep to one guy going one way and then um a screen to the other guy going the other way right like there's theoretically in the future i don't think i'll have that this week (laughs) yeah 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 well yeah um I look at, but I just think McCaffrey needs to be in the passing game. That's, that's my ultimate thesis here. He like you, you gave all that stuff up to get him touches. And I'm not talking about 20 carries a game and just running in between the tackles. Yeah. And so a couple things you said that, that I think are important. One, I saw a, a bunch of people in the, in the fantasy football realm when McCaffrey got traded said, you know, Hey, fantasy Christian McCaffrey, fantasy owners beware. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't check down, so those targets are going to go way down. I don't think that's the case. He might get a handful of less targets over the course of a full season because of that. But I think what you're saying is spot on. Like, I think the targets are going to be there because they're going to design a bunch of targets for him. And the player I look at is Debo Samuel specifically over the last four games last year because he had this weird season where he was like, a receiver for a bunch of games, and then he was like a running back for a bunch of games. But then the last four of the regular season, he averaged seven carries and seven targets a game. And I think that's kind of in the realm of where McCaffrey ideally would be. And that's why I pushed back a little bit on, like I understand all the, um, like you can't trade all that for a running back. And I know we're rehashing the trade a little bit, but you can't trade all that for a running back. And in 2022, you're trading all that and paying a running back that much. But it's like, if they use him how you're talking about, the I think the proper lens will be they gave up all that and they're paying $12 million for Debo Samuel. And if, go back to the draft, if the Niners had gotten that haul for Debo Samuel and then a team signed him to $12 million a year, it would have been like, what a coup by that team. So that's the way I think I think if the Niners utilize McCaffrey how you're talking about, I think that's how it's eventually going to get looked at. It's not going to be like, oh, they added a running back. No, they added a essentially another wide back to to borrow a term. 
I have a question for you. Okay. And this is be, be, like a, a big, bigger picture question than this game or even this season. But like, would you consider just full time shifting Christian McCaffrey to receiver, like next season? I don't think that it matters that much. I'm it's looking at his at, at his PFF page. All his receiving grades throughout his career. Dark green, 84.5. Dark blue, 92.8. Green, 75.9. Dark blue, 92.4. Now, when you say say dark blue, is this more of a cobalt or like a midnight blue? It's cobalt. I don't think they do midnight. I think that would be... That's like a Trent Williams. Trent Williams is like a midnight blue. Right, right, right. Um, 89.1. It looks, looks like a, a greenish blue, either way, very blue, like enough like, blue a, like a to sea make foam, you like a sea foam green. Right, okay. Right, right. <laughs> like, you know, when, when you're at the, when you're at the ocean or like yeah. the beach and it's cloudy and the water looks more like a, like a dark blue. And when it's sunny, like obviously the sun's yeah. shining through, it's like a yeah. brighter blue. This mm-hmm. is like that darker bluish green. <laughs> um, okay. 2017 is first year, 84.4. Um, like, I would say forest green. So, (laughs) (laughs) so my point is here is like, if, if Cooper cup was on the trade market, right. And obviously I'm not trying to say Christian McCaffrey's Cooper cup, but Christian McCaffrey has a potential to be one of the best slot receivers in the league. If you, you know, if you look at, to your point, like if you look at the trade and say, Oh, that's a lot of picks to give up for running back. It is. It's not a lot of picks if he turns into a pass catcher who's catching 100 balls a season like he was earlier in his career. Yeah. And but- and is like a a huge weapon for you out of the slot in a similar way that Cooper Cup is with the Rams. But I also so I also I I don't disagree. Cooper Cup would get like two like if they traded Cooper Cup, they would get like two first round picks and then like two twos in addition, right? But, but like that trade yeah, would get, would dwarf it would dwarf this McCaffrey thing. Yeah, and he's obviously getting paid way more than than McCaffrey is. Right. Uh, but the the one pushback I have because I don't necessarily disagree, but their running game had so much more juice when he was carrying it on Sunday. I thought that might have just been a perception, but I think if if it's like, hey, he's not going to run the ball anymore, I think that's cutting off his value a little bit. I I think if you want to primarily have him in the slot and he runs it, you know, four or five times a game or whatever, that's that's one thing. But I think eliminating that element entirely is handcuffing your offense a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm a yeah, I, that's fair. I wouldn't like this season. I would I would definitely obviously use him in, in mm-hmm. as a running back as but, well. But but if Elijah Mitchell comes back and he's healthy, if he's healthy. Right. And he looks like Elijah Mitchell, then I I don't know why you 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 wouldn't try and utilize right. McCaffrey more as a pass catcher. Right. Yeah. So I I just think that's something. You know, we talk about value and and all that a lot. Like that that is a really strong way to get value from this pick from the from this trade. Because well, it feels like the Niners are too smart of a team to just trade all that and pay a running back right they traded to force buckner to avoid paying a defensive tackle 
and then wound up moving Eric Armstead permanently defensive tackle. But that's the whole other thing. In hindsight, they definitely would have, <laughs> would have paid Buckner if they knew that the next Swing year they were, they were going to <laughs> draft a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I think so, so too. That was that was a tough scene, but um, what a disaster! Yeah, not great, not great. Javon Kinlaw. See, on I, he is on IR, right? Yes. Okay. With um, fingers crossed, he comes back. Eric Armstead dealing with multiple foot and ankle issues doesn't sound great. It's crazy to see on an injury report feet. <laughs> Eric Armstead, parenthetical feet, comma ankle. I've seen foot. I've seen ankle. I've seen foot, comma ankle. I've never seen feet, comma ankle. Colin Kaepernick told the media one time um, he was being very sheepish about a reason for being limited on the injury report or whatever. And we, the media asked him what his foot injury was. And he said he had hangnails and then um, Mm. on his pinky toes, I think. And then he was asked which foot and he said both, both of them. So he had, he was limited in practice. (laughs) Apparently with anyway, toes. Yeah. Toes. toes. It was funny. Um, I enjoyed that. Can I can I throw out another thing that I think would help the 49ers offense aside from making sure that Christian McCaffrey's not a 20 carry a game guy? Um getting more production for Mike McGlinchey? Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Split him out wide, see what he does. <laughs> <laughs> McGlinchey needs to be better. Yeah. Yes. I don't yes, think that's what you were gonna say though. <clears throat> it wasn't. Okay. You're right. But something came up as I was watching the Chiefs torch a very good 49ers defense with jet sweeps to Michael Hardman, because apparently the Niners defense has never seen a jet sweep before. But it kind of hit me. Why don't the 49ers do this with Danny Gray? When Danny Gray's on the field, he runs a go route or a post, a deep post, and they might throw it to him. And this is where, you know, we talked a, a couple a couple episodes ago about, like, letting your dudes be dudes. And Danny Gray may or may not be a dude, but he's fast as hell. And I think that's where Kyle Shanahan, on some level, needs to let go and let God. And just, <laughs> hey, this guy might line up in the wrong spot on... <laughs> this guy might line up in the wrong spot on one play, or he may run the wrong route on one play, but he's also going to catch this tunnel screen and possibly house it because he's the fastest guy on the field. Or he might take this jet sweep and house it because he's a fat, or we might fake this jet sweep to him and the entire defense knows he's the fastest guy on the field and two linebackers bite. And now McCaffrey has an open lane the other way. Like I, I just, I think there's ways to utilize the speed they have on their roster that they don't. And I, I, I would gather it's because Shanahan thinks they're not going to quote unquote do it right. And I just think that putting into the game plan, and or maybe it's Brandon Ayuk, who I think they they dramatically underutilize his athleticism. Their their game has been so much about like getting downhill and being big because defenses are smaller and faster, so they're going to be big and more physical. But like that's not working, very clearly not working, especially in the run game. You drafted a guy in the third round who runs like a four one. Get him the ball. Whether it's on a screen or a jet suite, I don't, I don't necessarily care. But there's no better coach at drawing up space than Kyle Shanahan. At throw it to number six and see what happens. Maybe it doesn't work, but they have to try it. I think. 
I think it speaks it speaks to one of the fair criticisms that we've made over uh, about Kyle Shanahan over the years in that like he's not he sometimes he struggles to get stuff out of young players and mm-hmm. and maybe maybe some of it is you know asking them to be too perfect like in in everything else like if they make a mistake if they if there's a illegal formation penalty or if there's a false start penalty in practice or whatever Kyle Shanahan does not seem super inclined to play young guys and and maybe try to experiment with guys until he fully trusts them. And I think sometimes it might be too difficult to earn Kyle Shanahan's trust if you're a young player. I completely agree. And I and I think that I it, it's a it's a really good point because you know lately it just sort of feels like the offense is stale kind of from a from a schematic standpoint particularly knowing yeah. what Shanahan has in his bag like he you know that Saints game in 2019 like you know a, a, a Emmanuel Sanders pass to Raheem Mostert right like um and something similar in week 18 last year with with Debo Samuel making a pass to Juwan Jennings um even like 2019 when they were running they ran like a lot of reverses to Debo yeah and it doesn't seem like they do that anymore like any reverses like it's uh it's like jet sweeps and like tosses out of the backfield and stuff like that but the stuff is not as creative as it was and I would think like you know if you get somebody going like Danny Gray then maybe that's a way that he can earn your trust. And like you, you give him an opportunity to earn trust by just making plays and being in a position to make plays. Cause right now it kind of feels like when he is out there, which isn't often, he's like a decoy. Yeah. It's like, all right, well we, you know, he, he likes to have somebody who can occupy the safety by um, being utilized as a deep threat. But like, you know, in the NFL, if, if you're a starting corner and there's a guy who has zero catches on the season, you don't really, you know, like d- defenses aren't, going to tend to double that guy they're like let's see him make a catch first before this guy like earns a double team can i tell you one thing that has never been said this year by nfl defensive coordinators Hmm. oh shit there's danny gray (laughs) like oh no six is in the game scramble right like let's let's provide safety help over the top you know let's pull guys off the line of scrimmage because danny gray's in the game like but 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 michael michael hardman scored three touchdowns just by being faster than everybody yeah like you're, t- I I know Andy Reid is a is a dynamite coach, but you're telling me Kyle Shanahan can't draw something like that up. It's the classic, like, you know, don't tell me what he can't do, t- show me what he can do. Yes, yes. And sh- that's that is, I think, sort of summarizes what Shanahan, what his problem is in terms of dealing with young players. It's like, oh, I don't trust him to do this, this, and this. It's like, well, you know, maybe try doing this because you need something. You need. Then don't ask him to do those things. Right. You need a spark. So I'm I'm with you on that, particularly without Debo Samuel, because um, they're the, the Niners are at a point now like three and four, like you know I I don't I didn't expect them to go thirteen and four this season, mm-hmm. but like this in my mind this is like a ten to twelve win team, mm-hmm. realistically, and a lot of that was because of Kyle because like my opinion of Kyle Shanahan being one of the best play callers and, and schemers in the league. Yeah. And it's just been pretty mid like all year <laughs> from, from very, very mid it's, it hasn't been 
you know, there are some plays where you're like, oh, that's cool. That popped. Um, if that was blocked up a little better, it, it certainly would have worked. But it's like sometimes I feel like when you struggle to do the basic stuff, sometimes you just need to get a little creative and maybe that inspires your guys to play a little better. You yeah, know, it like just if it you're, forces if you're, defenses to look for something different. Right. If you're gonna if you're gonna be a coach, like put all your chips on the table and maybe the players will react a little bit differently than like mm-hmm. okay outside zone again yeah you know, like all of this stuff so and it, it just loosens things up like they they need to figure out ways to loosen up the way defenses play them because it's always as, as long as jimmy garoppolo is a quarterback it's like you know nine ten guys in the box stop the run um the offensive line isn't what it's been in recent seasons so it's going to be easier to stop the run you need to figure out ways to loosen up the defense that's not just the running game and and you know, the occasional deep pass. Has there two two things? I want to go back to the Saints game. That Emmanuel Sanders pass is an underrated, unbelievable play in 49ers history. They blitzed on that. It was like an end around pass. And they blitzed the Saints did. And Sanders got clobbered as he threw it. Yeah. It's incredible that he got the throw off and got it off accurately as he got drilled by a linebacker. That was the most fun regular season game I've ever been a part of. It was unbelievable. It was like Nick and I, like I, I remember him and I going to get food at halftime together. And we're like, this is amazing. We're both like, this is an amazing game. This, like yeah. it is so much fun. That was electric. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, okay. Shanahan creativity. When was the last time someone you thought or someone thought or someone said, or the consensus was Shanahan's doing too much, man. He was too aggressive there. I can't think of a time that's ever happened. At least when he was with the 49ers. Oh, it was a Falcon Super Bowl. Right, and so I don't know if when he wasn't with the 49ers. And I don't know if this is residual from that and there's just this like PTSD of throwing it in up 28 to 3 in a sack and oh, everything went wrong. But that's another thing I think the 49ers would benefit from on some level. I don't don't have a way to like quantify it empirically. But Josh Dubow from the AP, friend of the pod, tweeted this out. The Raiders have 125 yards on fourth downs this year, aided by like 250 plus yard plays, but they ran plays on fourth down aggressive enough to get 58 yards. 
So I went and looked. The 49ers have gone for it seven times on fourth down this year, and they have four yards on fourth down. Yeah. I think so much of that, like, I, I agree with you. I think Kyle Shanahan, and we've talked about it earlier on in, in other episodes, that, like, he's very conservative for an offensive coach. He sort of mm-hmm. plays like a defensive coach. Mm-hmm. And I think he does, like, give him credit. Like, he he understands how good his defense is, and he needs to win games on the strength of that defense. But at the same time, if you're an offensive guy, like, Andy Reid is, you know, like, I remember the Super Bowl fourth and short. You you didn't have any idea what their what their offense was going to do. Everything was really creative on fourth down, mm-hmm. and even near the goal line. And that always just seems lacking to me with Kyle Shanahan. And with it's particularly frustrating, I would think, because you know he is really creative just in general. And yeah. so often it's like, all right, short yardage play. We're running an inside handoff. And it's like, yeah, maybe that's low risk, but I'm just in general just but, tired, uh, uh, tired of NFL coaches running to where all of the guys are on on <laughs> in short yardage situations. Sure, like we we talk about Kyle Shanahan and his ability to create space in the passing game and all of that. It's like it just feels like since he's been there, the 49ers have not been a particularly good short yardage team. Some of that's playing to the defense, but I think the biggest part of it really is the fact that he just doesn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo all that much. And I don't really blame him for that, but like, again, it's sort it's similar to, to the Danny Gray discussion in like, maybe if you put Jimmy Garoppolo in situations to make throws instead of running a, a sneak or, or an inside run on fourth and one. Yeah. Spread a defense out, like create mismatches. Like you have Christian McCaffrey now, like, let Jimmy Garoppolo make some throws and then maybe that builds his confidence. And then maybe you, you build his trust a little bit that way. Well, and it's just not, okay. You don't trust him. Fine. Okay. Not going to blame you, but also not trusting him is just not working. Like they started three and five last year. They've started three and four this year. They suck on fourth down like that, that way of going about offensive existence is not working. So do something different. Like the Agreed. adherence to the adherence to, like you said, running to where all the dudes are. D- stop. Do literally anything different. The one, I, the one that really sticks out in my mind is remember in Baltimore they went for it on like a fourth and one, late in that game, and then didn't get it in Baltimore. Never getting the ball back. Mm-hmm. It was there. Like George Kittle was like the only guy out in a route, and there were three Ravens around him, and then the throw I think got knocked down at the line. Mm-hmm. Because there was nowhere else for Garoppolo to go. Another great game, by the way. That was a week before the Saints game. Yeah, really good game. Yeah, it's just I. It's so it's so odd because I think Kyle Shanahan is a good coach, but when these critiques come up of like, how is he a genius offensively and they can't get two yards on a fourth down? It's like, man, <laughs> no rebuttal. Good point. And like I said, I get the I get the quarterback part, but like this is the quarterback that they chose and that they're rolling with. So it's not working, not trusting them. So just I mean, let it rip. The Niners are seventh and on third down conversion rate, forty three percent. They're twenty sixth on fourth down conversion rate. Yeah, so they should be they should be better. They're converting twenty. You round up twenty nine percent of fourth downs. 
And I bet there aren't a lot of teams that have gone for it fewer times than them. Yeah. Yeah, I I would, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I think the team clearly needs a spark. And I think part of the way you start utilizing all the weapons you have offensively is just being willing to be aggressive and being willing to be more creative. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we know he has a creativity in him. And I think it would it would just energize the offense. Like if you like so much of do you remember? I forget what year it was when the Raiders like went to the playoffs Um, when the Raiders were good that year. And Jack Del Rio is coach. It was like the first or second game of the season they had. It was they scored a touchdown um, in the last minute of a game on the road against New Orleans. And then instead of kicking the game tying PAT, they went for two and got it. And that was like a huge, they won the game. It was a game winning two point conversion that they got. And -hmm. it was like a huge energizing factor for the Raiders that they just sort of parlayed into the rest of their season and ended up having a really good season. Like I think a lot of what gets players going is feeling empowered. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't think Kyle Shanahan is really like empowering his players in a way that like you would ideally want to get them respond to respond. It's like, oh, I don't, you know, Danny Gray can't get on the field because I don't really trust him to do all this stuff. Uh, I don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo to to make plays on fourth mm-hmm. down. I don't trust the offensive line to, you know, to block this creatively design play like obviously there's a balance and and there's schematic things that get that get in the way of that but i think if he were to just take his aggression level i feel like his aggression level as a play caller is like at a three right now dial it up to like a six and take your creativity level from like a three or four to like a seven or an eight and just see what the offense looks like and see if guys respond positively. Like see if guys yeah. are like more fired up to play. Um, Cause I, I do think the team needs some juice. Like, it, and, and I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I just need some juice. And I think Kyle Shanahan could give them some juice by, by, by doing those things, by being more creative and being a little bit more aggressive. Let's say they go for it on a fourth and three from their own 44. Not their own 44. From the Rams 44. Fourth and three. They're going to... I don't think anybody on their defense is after the game going to go, wow, wish he would trust us and punt. Like That's not happening. But I guarantee the offense in that spot wants to go. And how many times have we seen them get pulled off the field in a spot where it's like, they should go for this. Yeah, it's it's fourth and two on the opponent's 48, like try and get a couple yards. I mean, I, I, I it's just a it's like and again, I hate I hate projecting these like ideas into his head. I don't know what's going on in, in Kyle Shanahan's psyche, but it's like this just ultra conservative like, OK, if we just don't if we just do the thing where we don't make a mistake, then we'll be okay. Right. And that's just not a good, I mean, (laughs) it's like playing blackjack and just folding every time you don't have 21. Andy Reid felt like he had his foot on the gas pedal the entire game on Sunday. And not folding, but staying. Yeah. Yes. But yes, to your point about Andy Reid. Yes. 
And it doesn't feel like Kyle Shanahan has his foot on the gas pedal, really, with the exception of like the first plays that are scripted. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think part of that is, I think part of that is quarterback, but like the Lions are rolling with Jared Goff and they've gone for it on fourth down the second most amount of times in the league. And granted, they, they stink, but <laughs> so they've probably had to go for it. I think there was one game where they went for it like eight times. But I mean, you just look at Jacksonville, second year quarterback. They've gone forward 17 times. Cleveland, Jacoby Brissett, 16 times. Philly, Jalen Hurts, who is having a very good season, but gone for it 13 times. Like the Jets, 10 times. Like there's there's all these other coaches that are being more aggressive than Kyle Shanahan. And I, I would love just once to after a game be like, man, they probably should have punted in that spot. But Every every game, it's the same. It's like, well, they should have gone for it, and they didn't. Or man, they should have gone gone for the end zone that spot, and they kicked a field, or they should have just kicked a field goal, but they went for the end zone in that spot. I don't know. I just th- something needs to change on on offense for them. And I think the two things you said, aggressiveness and creativity, are two things that that could certainly change, and that starts directly with the head coach. Yep. That's kind of where it lands for me. I'm interested. Oh, oh, go ahead. I'm interested. (laughs) Here we go. Three, two, and one. Um, We don't have to edit that, Tyler. You can leave that little thing in. Um, A peek behind the scenes. Yeah. We're not perfect. No. (laughs) Um, I know you thought we were. No. Um, Just on the Rams real quick, because Niners playing the Rams. FYI. I'm fascinated to see what LA looks like coming off their bye week. Because their offense, I was rewatching, I was just grinding the old, the I was grinding the the A twenty two on the um on the Rams Panthers game in the lab. Yeah, dude, I was just, I mean, just neck deep in the lab, and I built a small residence within the lab, so I can just live there. The Rams offense is not good, dude, and it's not, it's not like. Oh, they're not scoring a ton of points, but they're, you know, leaving points in the red zone or they had a, oh, a bad interception here and a penalty. They're like, no, they're just not. It's it, I mean, it really is like the the analysis has been like it's Cooper Cup and nothing else. That's it. And like Cam Akers hates it there. And Daryl Henderson is just kind of a dude. Like he's just a guy, not a dude. He's just a guy. Dudes being guys. <laughs> just guys being dudes. I just don't, I, I don't, they, you talk about a team that needs to do something differently offensively, but, and they were in the running with Christian McCaffrey and just didn't have the picks to, to, to make that deal happen. Yeah. Those losers had to go deal all their picks to win a think, Super Bowl last you, year. Morons. Do you think, okay, here we go. <laughs> do you think they would trade that Super Bowl trophy to have Christian McCaffrey right now? I mean, Obviously, questions worth asking. <laughs> Obviously, oh, F them so picks. Funny. Yeah, that was. Oh man, it's uh, don't a, making fun of the Rams for not being able to get the Christian McCaffrey deal done is is a wild take, given that they just won the Super Bowl. Specifically, specifically making fun of the Rams for not being able to get the Christian McCaffrey deal done because they made a trade that helped them win the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> yeah, it's. I'm 32. I've never seen the 49ers win a Super Bowl. By the way. Well, you have, but you. Well, were. I was. I don't remember the. I was four years old. 
Yeah. I don't remember it. Anyway, that, that um, 94 season is the reason why I, I think I'm a sports journalist. But anyway, keep going. Yeah, just a lot of drama. It's not about on that team. Um, yeah, I just um, I don't I don't think the Rams like maybe Sean McVay has some giant fix in his bag that they were waiting to the bye week to install. But just when you look at them personnel wise, I just don't know if it's there. The offensive line isn't good. They don't have any running game. Matt Stafford is throwing a ton of interceptions. Matt Stafford looks like Jared Goff. Yikes. He looks ter- like it just. Allen Robinson hasn't gotten going. He's obviously not nearly as good as what Odell Beckham gave them last year. Um, They just have a lot of problems. And so, yeah, I'm. I think the 49ers should win, but I'm not. You know, I've thought that before and they've come out and laid eggs and um, I'm still not convinced they're not going to, but we'll see. Um, should we do the Cooperage pick six, six pack, Cooperage, Cooperage, six pack. Yes. The Cooperage pick six pack. Yeah, you could. Yeah. The pack six. That sounds like a college football conference. Brought to you, brought to you by Cooperage. Man, I'm looking on Cooperage's website right now. Cooperagebrewing.square.site or I think Cooperagebrewing.com works. works. Friday the 13th, Pale Ale. I'm going to need some of that. Uh, Vapor Juice Box. IPA with nice Raku and Simcoe. That sounds delicious. I believe I have some Vapor Juice Box in my fridge right now. Well, you are very... One of the best investments I made for my bachelor party that you attended was Mm. a case of Cooperage. And I think between the five of us that were there, I think we drank four beers, <laughs> four of the Cooperage beers. Right. We didn't do much drinking in the in the house. We did, we far did the less drinking chilling outside. in the crib than I thought we would. <laughs> but to be fair, when you're in San Diego, you do not chill in the house. Well, and th- this is this is my oversight. I was like, a... yeah, no, 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 no. I was. You're not just going to sit there and pound keg slayers. You're going to enjoy it. Right. Like, you'll have a few, but over the course of your evening, it's not like uh, a cheaper beer where you're like, I'm going to have six of these in 41 minutes. Right. We weren't like playing beer pong with keg slayer. <laughs> Don't do that. If you're going to do that, give me give us the keg slayer and get something different. You know what I've noticed people have done with beer pong lately? And maybe maybe I'm just like, old and washed but i lived in santa barbara for a while and we played lots of beer pong they do water with beer on the side yeah well yeah yeah there's no beer that's in the cups the way now. more that's the way more sanitary way to do it <laughs> it's disgusting think about where that ball went who touched it you had a water cup to rinse the ball <laughs> it wasn't like you'd pick it up off the ground and then immediately chuck it in a beer yeah, that water cup full of dirty ass water. I mean, you'd change it. Come on, we are we that soft? What happened to kids these days? <laughs> no, but I, I do respect the idea that like you could you don't beer actually. Beer pong has been canceled. No, no, no. I I like the idea of being able to drink good beer while you're playing beer pong because the beer's not actually involved in the right. game. You can just right. kind of drink it at your anyway. Um, but yeah, lots of really good beer at Cooperage. The as other, always. the other advantage to doing water in the cups 
is you can fill them up more so they don't like fair they don't move around yeah yeah and if it spills it's it's you know if you're playing inside it's not as a messy a cleanup yeah and it doesn't smell as bad i get no i get it i just think collectively we're getting a little bit soft but that's remind me remind me after the pod to tell you my beer pong story with our buddy nate oh okay i was just a real asshole (laughs) the first night i met his now wife it's fine (laughs) Tease. Hit me up on Twitter if you want to know the story. I'm not going to tell. I'm, I'm sure Brenda's maintained a, a huge level of fandom for you since that night. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Cooper, who who picks first? I do this week. Okay. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to pick Christian McCaffrey. Wow. Yeah, man. I'm I'm going to do that. Remember last week we did we did the six pack prior to the McCaffrey trade. We went, hey, we're gonna be proactive and we're gonna we're gonna do our podcast early in or early in the afternoon. And then two hours after we record the McCaffrey trade happens. Yeah. Brutal. Anyways, uh, I'm picking Christian McCaffrey because he's going to need to play the Debo Stammer role, I think, this week. I'm into it. I think he's gonna get a lot of touches. I would be stu- stunned if he got fewer than like fifteen. If I were Kyle Shanahan, I'd make 10 of those pass plays and like four of them screens at least. Yeah, I genuinely like wouldn't be surprised if he just replaces Debo. Like it just lines up where Debo typically lines up. Yeah, I think that would be smart. I like it. Um, the, the th- I, meant to, I meant to say this earlier. The, the first three plays of that Rams-Panthers game, he's split out wide right and then run a screen to him. The next play, he split out wide left and runs like a like an orbit motion behind the quarterback and running back and then the next play he's lined up in the backfield in the gut it's i'm really excited to see what they do it was pretty clear that that game was a showcase christian mccaffrey game yes (laughs) he touched the ball so many times (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and apparently it worked for the panthers so okay you know how big i am in this exercise of being like I'm going to pick somebody who tells the story of the game. Um, this is a guy I mentioned earlier. I don't think I've picked him for a Cooperage six-pack yet this season. I'm going with Mike McGlinchey. Wow. Because not that I think he's going to be awesome because he hasn't been awesome, but just because if the 49ers lose, there's probably going to be a very traceable path to Mike McGlinchey playing poorly. Right, like if Jimmy Garoppolo is getting sacked, if they're the offense is turning the ball over, if they're not running the ball as effectively as they need to, I have a hard time seeing those things happening and like Mike McGlinchey being awesome. Right? Like okay. the the edges controlling the edges is so important for what the 49ers want to do offensively that McGlinchey is a very important player for them. Um, if he plays well, I think the offense looks substantially better than it has. If he plays poorly, then I think a lot of the issues the offenses the offense has had um, are going to persist. So I think okay. I think McGlinchey is the is this week's like story of the game pick. And like if he plays poorly, they're probably going to lose. If he plays if he plays well, I have a hard time envisioning them them losing. Okay. I'm going to, my pick is connected to that one a little bit. I'm not sure we've ever picked this guy for pick six. I'm taking Are you sure this guy's playing? 
I'm taking the quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm fairly oh, sure he's playing. That's I. What you're ruining the bit? We're the whole thing with this is to never pick Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh my bad. I'm taking Brock Purdy then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can take Jimmy. I'll just resent you for it. Also. No, 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 no. It's fine. I'm going to take a different Jimmy. I'm going to take Jimmy Ward. Okay, I like it. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> Idiot. Stupid. <laughs> Um, no, uh, Jimmy, I was going to take Jimmy Ward anyway. So this, this, this works for me. I write down like seven or eight players and Jimmy Ward, a, the whole thing with being mad that he's playing nickel is the first time that I've ever bought into the idea that like, oh, there's something wrong here. And I don't know how wrong I'm not saying that, you know, blow it up because Jimmy Ward's pissed with his role. But to take a team captain, your longest tenured player, and remove him from a position he's had a ton of success at for a guy who signed three days before the preseason finale, and to remove him from that spot because of an injury he suffered is kind of nuts and just kind of antithetical to the entire like culture that they've built. So that said... Whether Jimmy Ward is in the slot or playing free safety, um, one of the things the Niners can't do is let the Rams have big plays. And they need to make the Rams because that's what they did in in Santa Clara. I think their scoring drives are like 14 plays, 12 plays, and 10 plays or something like that. Like They were long drives, and they wound up with field goals. And I don't think the Rams have the capability offensively to score touchdowns consistently on 13, 14, 15-play drives. And Jimmy Ward if he's lined up in free safety is very good at, at cutting down on big plays, but also if he's in the slot, that means he's going to be matched up on Cooper cup. And as we established earlier, that is the Rams offense. So one way or another, Jimmy Ward, whether he's playing in the, in the nickel or, or free safety is going to have a substantial, substantial effect on, on this game. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I would I'm all the way out on the idea that Jimmy Ward should not be like that all the way out on the idea that Tayshawn Gibson should replace Jimmy Ward at free safety when Ward is back healthy. Like I thought, I can't believe they did that. And maybe, you know, maybe it's an element of a product or a product of the Emmanuel Mosley injury, right? Like maybe you feel like, because Diamador Lenore has to play outside, there's such a su- substantial drop off in what the secondary looks like with Lenore. You know, like if Sam Womack or Ambry Thomas, like, and the Ambry Thomas thing, it's like pretty problematic because it's really like, bad. Diamador Lenore was playing really well in the slot. And in my opinion, it probably should have been keep Diamador Lenore in the slot, play Ambry Thomas out out wide and to to move jimmy ward to nickel in his first game back from injury not only is he just reacclimating to football and getting back in football shape but now he's doing it at a different position with it's one not hand. with one hand it's not surprising it went super poorly against kansas city mm-hmm. and against travis kelsey against travis way. kelsey yeah and like look <laughs> i get it on third down like we saw in the Super Bowl, Jimmy Ward was on Travis Kelsey almost exclusively. And I thought it made sense on third down, mm-hmm. you know, but like 
to put Jimmy Ward in the slot and have Tayshawn Gibson play free safety after Jimmy Ward has done, you know, become one of the most important players on the team by obviously earning a team captainship. Like it's insane to me that he just lost his position due to injury. And, you know, maybe we're reading too much into that. And maybe it was just a function of like, they need Diamond Lenore on the outside because they don't trust anybody else. But man, you got to be in a better spot than that to where you, you, you don't have to ask a team captain to, to switch positions. Cause that to me was like kind of alarming. It was like, this is, this is a team captain who just lost his free safety safety job due to injury. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. So I would, I would have put Jimmy Ward back at free safety and figured out the cornerback situation elsewhere. Like I just, I did not think that worked. I didn't think it was something that like they talk about like culture and like buy-in from players and stuff like that. Like that's the type of stuff that can kill that. Yeah. And was Samuel Womack that bad in the, in the slot that you can't play him there anymore? Yeah. I mean, is that what, like, is that, is he just bad at football now? Or can he not play outside? I have, no, I have no idea. Maybe he just hasn't repped it a lot there. And Lenore did it all last season. I don't know. But Jimmy Ward in the slot, I don't think is the, the best answer. There's a reason why he hasn't he hadn't played there in so long. Yes. Like he's a better player at safety. Yes. With the odd. occasional with the occasional snaps at the nickel. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, George Kittle, you're our fullback now. Yeah. Joy fullback. You I know? actually think he would. <laughs> no, he would, but like you're not you're not getting, you know, ten targets right. out of out of right. out of your fullback. Right. Anyway. Um, okay. Jimmy Ward ran over. I like the pick. Particularly because he's going against Cooper Cup. And as uh discoverers of Jimmy Ward Island, we're pissed. <laughs> We are heated. They need to. They need to clean it up. Big mad. Yeah, yeah. Property values are outside oh, factors affecting property values. It's not. It's not great. <laughs> um, I'm going chalk. Going back to since I since I went with the hipster pick, sort of, mm-hmm. or the story of the game pick, whatever, however you want to say it. Um, Nick Bosa. Yeah. Rams line is bad. Nick Bosa. Didn't have a great game against the Chiefs. And I don't know that a lot of it was necessarily his fault. They were just doing all sorts of things to get him out of position and throw different looks at him so he couldn't just pin his ears back and get after Patrick Mahomes. I think Bose is going to be a little bit pissed. I think he's going to be playing with an edge. The Rams offensive line is bad. And if Bosa had two or three sacks, that would not surprise me at all. You don't think they're going to try and throw him off with Jet Suites, Ben Skoranek? Two two out well maybe. Ben Skronik. Fullback Ben Ben Spronic? Fullback tight end receiver guy. Yeah. Great stuff. Um what do you give me for Van Jefferson? I kinda like Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson. Is he healthy? Yeah, I think he's playing this week. Okay. Um Yeah. No, I, I think Bose is gonna be ridiculous on Sunday. Okay, in that same vein, I'm going to go with the other ward. No, I'm just going to have two wards. Mooney? Yeah, I'm taking Mooney. <laughs> what if I was like, no, John? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know who that is. I don't either. Um, yeah, no, I'm taking Mooney Ward. He was very bad against the Chiefs, not unlike Nick Bosa. 
And I think uh, another week to recover from his groin injury, I think he's going to be better. And I mentioned uh, Van Jefferson might be back. Allen Robinson hasn't necessarily gotten super involved, but keeping it to Cooper Cup and nobody else, that was such a huge key back in week four. I think it's going to be another key this week. And that's going to largely fall on Mooney Ward because if Cooper Cup's in the slot, it's up to him to lock down whoever else is on the outside, whether that's Van Jefferson or Allen Robinson. So if he has another bad game, it could it could be a long day for the Niners defense. But if he's out there allowing, you know, one catch, then I, I think we'll see something similar to what we saw in week four. So the two wards are my my last two picks. Okay. My last pick. I like the pick. Uh, my last pick is Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. Uh, do you know how many targets Brandon Ayuk has combined the last two weeks? Let's see. There were, I think, 11 in Atlanta. Correct. 20? He had 11 last week also, so 22. Oh, my God. Um, Brandon Ayuk's good, and we're starting to see some consistency a little bit. I mean, Carolina, four targets, albeit he caught all four of those. Um, we're sorry. The Rams, he had four targets four catches in the previous Rams game, three catches on four targets in the Carolina game. So let's see, I need to do a little bit of quick math here. Uh, He's catching 73% of his targets the last four weeks, Um, 260 yards and two touchdowns over that span. Those two touchdowns obviously came in Atlanta. He's just open all the time. Right. He's open all the time. I think it's, it's, about time that Kyle Shanahan has has started targeting him more often with Debo Samuel's status being iffy. I think Ayuk's numbers are going to continue to climb. Um, And I think Jalen Ramsey, as good as Jalen Ramsey is, and he's probably going to be planted on Ayuk for the majority of the game. They're like, I don't think those two like each other. I think Brandon Ayuk kind of enjoys going at Jalen Ramsey and all the, the back and forth that happens there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember them getting, I think they got tangled up. I just think there's going to be a little bit extra for Brandon Ayuk in, in this game. And, and he's going to have an opportunity to have a, have a big performance, particularly with Debo Samuel's sideline. Um, so I like the fact that he's gotten 22 targets in the last two games. Uh, he hasn't broken a hundred yards yet, but he had 83 yards, uh, in Atlanta and 82 yards against Kansas city. I think Ayuk, there's a chance he, he has a really big game. Um, and while, you know, the Rams are going to focus a lot of energy on slowing down Christian McCaffrey and trying to figure out where he's lining up, that could create some matchup advantages for Brandon Ayuk. Um, and maybe, you know, George Kittle will get some Jalen Ramsey, uh, attention as well. And that could potentially benefit the 49ers in a pretty substantial way also. So I'm going with, with Brandon Ayuk, uh, because I think he's going to have a, another really good game, a third, a third, like really productive game in a row. I love that pick. I am a believer in Brandon Ayuk as a like true wide receiver one. Did you know that among receivers with 10 or more targets out of the slot this year, Brandon Ayuk is third in yards per route run behind Devontae Smith and Justin Jefferson? Wow. 
put Brandon Ayuk in the slot all the time and let him go to work. And I know that Christian McCaffrey is going to go there sometimes, but he's also going to be a running back and he's also going to be split out wide. I I just, one of the noticeable things, because when I'm watching the all 22, I'm not like diving into the game plan and diagramming plays. I'm sorry, but you're not on the whiteboard. No, 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 no. But when you watch a play two and three times in a row, you start to bring that. You is just open constantly, man. And I think eventually, I mean, we're seeing it. That's manifested itself in 21 or 22 targets or whatever the last two weeks. And I, I love that pick because I think that's just going to continue. I don't see him getting worse. And if they start lining him up in the slot more, I just, I really think we're going to see him take off. Love the IU pick. Thank you. All right. So you went Christian McCaffrey. I went Mike McGlinchey. You went Jimmy Ward. I went Nick Bosa. You went Mooney Ward. I want Brandon Ayuk. Um, what do you think happens? Do you think the Niners win? I think the Niners win. I think they should win. Yeah, I, I, I think it. Yeah, I think they win. But I, I, I think the the big picture takeaway is going to be like, oh, they didn't score in the second half again, and then they won like seventeen to thirteen. <laughs> I just don't, I don't, I don't like, can they, can they beat the Rams? Like, yeah, yes. Am I going to guarantee it because they've won seven in a row? No. Like eventually that bill is going to come to you. Right. So I, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if the Rams have the, the fix even off their bye week and Sean McVay doesn't have some crazy record off the bye week. I think he's like three and two or something like that, or two and three. So, um, yeah, I, I think the Niners win, but I don't think that we're going to see like all of their problems solved this week. I think they're going to win just because they're a little bit better right now. But it wouldn't surprise me if going into the bye, we're like, man, they've got some stuff they need to figure out still. I agree. I don't, I'm not sure if I said it on or if we've talked about it on this pod, but I think all the turnover in the coaching staff is where you're seeing the lack of production or like the lack of production is, is sort of where you're seeing all the turnover on the coaching staff. I should say from, yeah. on the offensive side, because I do think having Mike McDaniel was a huge help in like second half adjustments. Cause it felt like for a while, the Niners were really good at second half adjustments, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, offensively in terms yeah. of what, what they could do. And this year with how little they're scoring in the second half, it feels like that's that's a substantial problem for them. So, yeah, um, yeah, I that that one surprised me at all. I'm going to take the Niners twenty three seventeen. I feel like every Niners game, even going back like a decade of Jim Harbaugh's teams, like when they win, they win twenty three to seventeen or like twenty <laughs> to seventeen. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in that realm. I got I think seventeen thirteen. Okay. Okay, Snyder's back to back to five hundred. Who do the Seahawks play this week? The Giants. Oh, right, the New York Football Giants. Wow. I, I also watched. I also watched Seahawks Chargers. Mm-hmm. And man, you could spend a lot of time in the lab this week. I didn't all twenty-two that one. Oh, I didn't. I didn't watch any football on Sunday, except except the Niner game. Well, I was gonna say, yeah, you're at the Niner game. So, so I just went, dude, condensed games are the best. Um, 
but yeah, I uh, I don't think I've ever watched a weirder football game because the Seahawks were up seventeen nothing, and then you blink and it's seventeen fourteen, and then you blink again and it's like thirty three to fourteen or thirty three to sixteen or something weird. Like it was such a bizarre game. I just have I can't I have no idea how good the Seahawks are. Could not I just I have no takeaways. Kenneth Walker how, play though. I don't know how good the Giants are. Yeah. The Giants are the Giants have like 2011 49ers vibes to me. Less talented. I'm trying to okay. So the Giants won week one, they won by one. Week two, they won by three. Week three, they lost by seven to Dallas. They beat Chicago by eight, beat the Packers by five, beat Baltimore by four, and beat Jacksonville by six. They've led in games by a combined total of like two and a half minutes. Yeah, it just... it feels They're the weirdest team. Did you see how their game against the Jags ended? I watched that one too. Uh, I didn't. The Jags like are driving late, and Lawrence completes a pass on the last play of the game, like at the goal line, and the receiver got stood up at like legit like the half yard line, and couldn't push his way in. Wow. It's the Giants are living by the skin of their teeth, but they're six and one, which is better than most teams can say. I'm gonna pick the Seahawks. Same. First place Seahawks. They'd be five and three if the Niners win. They'd be four and four. Man, that is wild. We thought the Seahawks were tanking, but apparently Geno Smith is better than Russell Wilson. That is just a wild. He runs thing. their offense better, which is wild. He's, I think he's better. Like he's just better, a better quarterback. This feels like the longest pod we've done in a long time. Okay, yeah, let's get off. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Subscribe, rate, review. See you next time. See ya. Bye.